Hello and welcome to University Challenged with me, Tony Kent. In this episode, I will be interviewing Dan Ball, who is the CEO and founder of the Early Careers Company and the Early Careers Foundation. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a share. And if you want to find out how to get in touch with Dan or engage with his organizations, just have a quick look in the show notes. You'll find everything that you need there. Hi, Dan. Hi, Tony. Thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. I have been after you for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) So I know a bit about you, but uh, for the listeners to come and the listeners that are here today, could you please say who you are and what it is that you do? For sure. Uh, My name's Dan. I'm the founder and CEO of the Early Careers Company and Foundation. Uh, I founded both organizations at the start of last year. So uh, depending on when this is listened to, that was January 4th, 2021. Um, prior to that, I, uh, unsurprisingly being on this, this, this podcast, excuse me, uh, didn't go to university. So when I was 18, I took a gap year. I was supposed to go off and, uh, well, supposed to go off and do a degree, but took a gap year, got a job at a really small startup and ended up staying for six years. Um, and then left during the first lockdown and, and set the company and foundation up six months later. Great. Okay. So let's just go back in time a little bit to mm-hmm. when you were at secondary school. So something I ask all my guests is, what are your memories of secondary school? I really liked it. Um, never had much trouble. Uh, I, so I grew up in North London. Uh, I was mm-hmm. actually born, uh, you'll have seen this for, uh, for Tony's listeners, I was sitting in a different direction of my flat and there was a map of Borneo on the wall, which is actually where I was born. But moved back to, to North London, I think when I was three or four um, and spent well the rest of my life till I was 19 there. Went to my local state school. Um, I had some difficulties at my first school. I, I was always, you know, some of, I think, the qualities that have made me, um, you know, by some measure, measures successful since leaving school were kind of my downfall at school. I was exactly as talkative and irritating then as, <laughs> as I am yeah. now, and I didn't go down too well with a lot of my teachers. So um, I enjoyed it for the most part. Always had loads of friends, you know, got on well with my work. I was never, like, the cool kid, you know. I was never, um, you know, playing football or anything like that, um, but... Yeah, I had a good time and enjoyed it overall. I got semi-kicked out of my first school. So I went okay. to a school in North London, local comp, um, and ended up in, I have to phrase it, some disagreements with some teachers, I guess. Um, yeah. My parents, being as kind of oppositional as I am, didn't want to like back down, except that it was all my fault, which in fairness, even on reflection, it really wasn't. It was actually them. Yeah. Um, so I left just before my GCSE exams. I didn't, you know, I still did the exams, but they told me I wasn't coming back to sick form. So I went to a different sick form um, oh. in my local area. Right. Wow. Um, how did you get on in your GCSEs? Like academically? Yeah. Did you get a, a brace of A's or a mixture? Yeah, or? pretty. No, no. Um, I got seven A stars and five A's. I nice. Did, uh, God, that was ages ago, 10 years ago now. Uh, I did three sciences, maths, further maths, English, geography, history, electronic products, RS, and something else I can't remember. French. That was it. Right. Trevian. Um, So (laughs) actually, despite what your teachers might have thought about your behaviour or, you know, disruptive, talkative, you're exactly the kind of student they would have wanted academically. Yeah, academically, I was. Um, mm. It was funny. My mum always laughs that every single parent's even started with, yeah, of course, Daniel's getting straight A's, but 
And it was always that every time. Um, <laughs> there were some teachers I specifically didn't get on with. I mean, similar to now, this is going to sound a little bit like, I don't know, self-aggrandizing. But, you know, I, I like to think of my company and foundation trying to change the way things are done and kind of challenge the status quo a bit. You know, I don't believe the whole world is broken and everything needs to change the whole time. But you should always look to move things, whether it's around social mobility or, or, or our yeah. kind of commercial activities make things better and move things in the right direction. And I kind of saw it with that at school. I saw things that made absolutely no sense. You know, <laughs> it's a perfect example. I remember I got in loads of trouble because if you had two free periods in the morning, your lessons didn't start till 20 past 11, but I still had to come yeah. in at 8.45. Which is like, why am I traveling on a rush hour bus in the boiling heat, exhausted? Yeah. What's the point yeah. of me doing that? So I just refused. And then of course they'd give me detention. So because they didn't yeah. want to be in school, they maybe tried to stay in school longer. And I just kept ignoring it until eventually it became a really big problem. Um, but yeah, happy memories of school like academically. I never really struggled. English was difficult yeah. for me, um, mm. which is funny because now my real strong suit. French was hard at one point. It was the only time in my entire life to date that my mum's put her foot down. She like, you yeah. have to take a language. I was like, okay. fair enough. Um, yeah, so those things were difficult. But um, apart from the teachers that didn't like me, well, you know, school was a breeze, really. Okay. And so you went to a different sixth form. What did you study there? Uh, biology, chemistry, physics and French. So what were you going? What was what was in your on in your in your head then when you were making your selection? Did you have a were you off Neuro, to be a scientist? Neuro, was, yeah, neuroscience. Uh, oh. My mum, uh, my mum has worked with um, children with special educational needs her whole life. My dad's an engineer. Um, yeah. We always had we had quite a lot of emphasis on like being an expert and just being really really good at you know they're both right at the top of that. Well, dad doesn't work anymore, but they're both right at the top of their field. Um, yeah. So yeah, the plan was so the degree I was going to do after my gap year was neuroscience with French at UCL. Wow. Okay. Um, that was <laughs> wow. the, that was the plan. Yeah. Right. Um, and did you get the grades necessary to get? Did you were you offered a place at UCL? Yeah, yeah, I got yeah, I got three A stars and an A at A level. Right. Um, okay. So my plan was to go to Cambridge initially, yeah. and then I took a gap year and yeah. realised I didn't, didn't want to go to Cambridge at all. Yeah. Um, for context, I am pretty left wing, hence the social mobility charity. I at the time was like really left wing. I've got involved with the Labour Party and and so yeah. on, and just didn't feel like I. Sorry, I'm not going to open this. It's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> um didn't really feel like uh yeah didn't really feel like I, I kind of fit in in, a, in an elite type of university looking back and I probably would have enjoyed it um but didn't think it was right for me so um took the gap year um took uh, initially a gap year internship at Wiser my old company um yeah. and then didn't leave turned down UCL and stayed and um so I'm intrigued because you would be like that kind of poster boy for what a secondary school would say it, it's like you know you've got amazing grades then you've done the right a levels got amazing grades there then you've got university offers mm. and you said no it's not for me so what happened in your gap year that made you realize that uni was not for you uh, I think it was part of the experience in my gap year. Um, to be mm -hmm. honest with you, when I got the job at my old company, even at that point, I didn't really know if university was for me. Um, it wasn't that I was like destined to go. I deferred so I could have a lot more time to think about whether I wanted to go. Yeah. I will say, in fairness, my school were great. Like, honestly, yeah. I went to a school called Ashmole for, for the sixth mm -hmm. form, Ashmole Academy, just, just a local comprehensive school in, in Southgate in North London, where I'm from. 
um and they were brilliant they were just like you know do whatever you want basically yeah uh you know not you know obviously they tried to help and support and push you in the right direction but the difference between that and my first school was I think probably because I went there you know nearly as an adult and I'd grown up a bit so I was a lot more mature and and yeah. stuff like that I had like honest open kind of adult adult dialogue with with the teachers um yeah. I think most of them kind of respected my ability to make my own decisions um I also come from like a really supportive family so you know yeah. although my parents um actually I think there's also a caveat that I've got two brothers the top one went and got a first class engineering degree became a pilot in the, in the air force and the the middle one wasn't quite as kind of focused on the academics he's still done very well he's also an entrepreneur runs runs a business in travel I was with him yeah. uh, doing a conference in Madeira on the weekend yeah. um, but Michael my middle brother um had a big thing with my parents where he decided not to go to university and I remember arguments in the house about it so they've kind of gone through that already and my parents I think, uh... having already brought, my brothers are 11 and 9 years older than me they're having already brought up two boys my parents kind of just like there's no point trying to get him to stop smoking when he's 16 or trying to get him to go to university because it'll just end in end in tears yeah. but I was always brought up with you know the confidence to believe I could do whatever I wanted, but also the knowledge that my parents would support me, you know, whatever I chose to do. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like a really hard thing going against the grain. It was just what I wanted. And my parents were a little bit, I, I think they're probably a little bit disappointed at the time. Um, yeah. They've got over it. <laughs> um, and I think you, you just, you raised something that's so valid there. So we are, my daughter's 16 and we're going through that process of just sort of figuring out, you know, how do we best support her and allow her to make her own decisions? And I think you go through it that first time. And then for mm. our son, it'd probably be easier for him uh, because we've done yeah. it once. Yeah. Yeah, it was all about keeping doors open. That's what my mum and dad were always focused on, like make the decisions yeah. now that allow you to, uh, you know, give you the maximum sort of freedom to make decisions in your life further down the line. So if you're yeah. not sure you want to go to university, still work really hard and get good A-levels so you can change your mind. Don't close doors to yourself because you yeah. don't think you want to walk through them at this point, you know, try and yeah, keep as many options on the table as possible. And um, just because we're talking about your parents a little bit, one thing that I noticed um, was in a post on LinkedIn, you tagged your mum and mm-hmm. I think you are my first guest where, where I, I know that you, one of your parents is on social media, on, on a business networking platform. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, dad's, so dad's, learned how, dad's learned how to use WhatsApp as well. He still creates uh, groups with people's names to talk to them, but, you know, he's getting there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see, and I can yeah. say that because there is no way he'll ever listen to this podcast because <laughs> he wouldn't have to access it. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Um, so is there um, anything you've learned from your parents' uh, professions or their, their career stories that sort of informed how you, like you've talked about how they parent you, how has the way that they've built their careers influenced your view on the world um can I swear on your podcast oh yeah yes. yeah um so I think from both of them there's no swearing in the first bit you'll be <laughs> have to wait so there's, there's a couple of things so the first thing is they both absolutely loved what they did my yeah. mum knew what she wanted to do when she was really young she's always wanted to work with uh, she wanted to be a teacher of the deaf and wanted to work with kids with special needs and, and disabilities yeah and that's what she's done her entire life she absolutely yeah. loved it, you know. Yeah. Um, my dad was an engineer. He worked in the oil industry. He was a metallurgist and then like a quality assurance guy. Um, yeah. He used to look after sort of the quality of, um, you know, pipeline projects and drilling and rigs and things like that. And they both absolutely loved it. It was always challenging. They've also both worked really hard. Um, yeah. I think, honestly, this is kind of, I don't know how it was not a very woke comment at all, but 
I don't know, I worry that a lot of people in my generation aren't brought up with the mentality I am. I mean, it works brilliantly for me, but, mm. um, you know, I, I kind of grew up with a mentality of like, especially in your 20s, like, shut the fuck up, get your head down. I saw my parents always work 12 plus hour days. My dad mm. used to do 12 to 14 hour days, seven day weeks for seven weeks in a row in yeah. minus 30 in Siberia, you know, on an oil project. My mum yeah. used to manage hundreds of people or thousands of people looking after um departments for local boroughs and really high pressure public sector roles and you know I was just always brought up that you know do something you love if you're happy and you're enjoying it make sure it's getting you somewhere but actually if you become really really good at what you do and, you, and you're, you're a talented be hardworking and motivated you'll end up being successful I think yeah. I posted about this a couple of days ago on LinkedIn but just people spend so much time thinking about the long game my dad didn't mm. plan to be a quality assurance manager in Siberia he was initially a pipe fitter but just did whatever yeah. he was doing really, really well and worked hard. And, you you know, things end up being a little bit random the way they progress long term. But mm. does that, that yeah, make sense? that does help. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, so you've gone from sixth form and you take a year out and then you go to work for your first company. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you doing? What was your first job? Recruiting, basically. Okay. Um, it was a business called Wiser. So it was like a you know, employer branding and recruitment business, basically. Yeah. Um, I joined when it was really small, and like just a handful of people there. Um, it was tiny. We were in an office about the size of my pokey flat. It was yeah. really fun. I mean, I've got yeah. you know, nothing bad to say about them. Really enjoyed it for the first few years, yeah. at least. Um, yeah, business grew really quickly. And, you know, it was a small company. I met people I really liked. Um, you know, some people I'm still really close friends with. Um, yeah. You know, so, yeah, one of my best mates, Omar, was the guy who hired me. Um, yeah. you know, we had the, the CEO and CTO and CFO of the business and so on became yeah. people I spent loads and loads of time with. And at the time I felt I'm going to learn more from these people and learn more doing this in the next three years. And also I don't want to be a neuroscientist, but I do want to do something in business. I've always been really interested in the commercial world. You know, I'd watch well, Wall Street's not a very good example because they're all off, but you know what I mean? Like I'd watch a show about business when I was, when I was a little kid. I was yeah. really interesting. I got my mum, my mum, I got my mum to set up a, um, a like CFD trading account when I was like right. 15 and I used to like play around with foreign exchange and I used to love all of that stuff I used to read the financial wow. times at like 12 I was such a fucking weird kid <laughs> um and so, honestly I was I don't know why I didn't take business at a level people about it but you know I, was, yeah. I always knew I wanted like a high pressure commercial career I didn't know whether I wanted to work in banking I was thinking law could be good I was going to get on yeah. the route of like neuroscience then law conversions working for some reason at 16 I wanted to be an intellectual property lawyer in a pharmaceutical company like I was like, I'm going to work in that like the Smith Klein building off the M4 I had no idea why I wanted to do that I would have hated it but it's I always really... had some sort of goal in mind and I'm in, I'm absolutely like intrigued by the the way your mind works but also I guess there's that um it seems to me like you never felt um, constrained in any way. It's like, oh, I might do that. Oh, I might do this. Or I think this is a terrible idea getting me to register for school when my lesson is at quarter past mm. 11. You know, so you, there's that. I was never confidence. constrained, but I was always quite like committed to whatever I was doing because I yeah. think a lot of people, I, I don't, yeah, I, I, you're right. I never felt like, I've never felt trapped. I've always felt like I've had a lot of freedom. Um, mm. Yeah, I've always just thought if something makes sense and it's the right thing, then then do it. And that's the whole thing. I mean, to sum up the university challenge, by the way, I love the name. Absolutely. Thank class. you. Thank you. Um, but with you know, to sum that whole that whole debate up, it's like if you want to go to university, go to university. If you don't, yeah. don't. Don't worry, don't yeah. if you, you know, don't feel pressured into it. And if you can't afford it, you know, try and find a way of making it work. If it's something you want to do, do everything yeah. you can to make it happen. And that's part of the I mean, 
I don't know if you know this, but our charity has a grant fund and we're going to be from next year supporting young people with the cost of university if they're struggling financially. So, you know, I, I want to remove all barriers to access, as, as you know, remove as many barriers to access as possible. But it doesn't mean it's right for everyone. Um, no. I will also say that while it was like, I might do this, I might do that, I'm not like a grass is greener kind of, I'm very committed. Mm. Like when the going gets tough, it's no worries. I always think when ch- when things get challenging and things get hard, that's the time you need to stick with it and focus. Yeah. And I, I'm never going to be someone, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever have a proper job again, but you know, I, I would have never been someone that would leave a job after a year ever you know stay and make it work it's always been my mentality and it's not that it's wrong not to do that it's just the way my head works is like keep going and you can't be sure if you want something or not so you've done it for a long time yeah I think that's I think that's a good shout um so you spent a number of years at Wiser and then you said you set up early careers during the pandemic because why not yeah so (laughs) I um yeah finished up at Wiser in uh that's funny two years ago tomorrow i uh, i agreed or like resigned slash agreed to leave i remember because i had a sign um yeah so it was 23rd of june 2020 i realized that it just wasn't quite right for me you know i had some fractious relationships in the business it Mm. you know it just wasn't quite what i wanted to do i didn't feel like the right Mm. path for me there i also moved back to my parents in lockdown i mean to be honest with you they wanted me to leave as well like that was made yeah. pretty clear like it wasn't me quitting I mean it partly okay. was that but it was you know it was a pretty mutual thing like they made it pretty obvious they didn't want me there um and um yeah I moved back to mum and dad's in the lockdown and I began to feel like the work I was doing was a little bit like hollow you know like I've come mm-hmm. from really left-wing family I'm a bit of a lefty myself and yeah I realized I had a big sort of commercial um you know I've had a quite a successful kind of commercial career but I didn't really feel like yeah. I was helping anyone other than you know, the people who worked with me in the business. So uh, do you um, have moved back in with your parents. You've yeah, decided sorry, that so you I'm... want to do something that's giving back more. Yeah, I decided I want to do something a little bit more fulfilling. Decided I wanted to do something that was mine, really wanted to like carve my own path, um, you know, make my own decisions. Uh, I agreed to leave. I then took six months off. So I finished up on the 17th of July and started my business on the 4th of January. I didn't really do anything in between. I mean, I, I did a lot of planning and stuff like that towards the end of it. So you know there so we just took a little commercial break there and we're back (laughs) (laughs) commercial break for my brother to come into the flat and make a coffee (laughs) nice well as long as he makes you one I think we're okay aren't we I don't think he's gonna make me one (laughs) yeah go on uh right (laughs) sorry Tony where were we so we were talking yeah so I left I left that business took some time off um yeah I got into jogging ate lots of cream cakes from Marks and Spencer I loved it so lockdown honestly I, I don't need to you know, shove this in the face. I know a lot of people really struggled, but I was yeah. incredibly fortunate. You know, you mentioned I'm one of the only people who's been on your podcast that has a parent on LinkedIn. And yeah. that's because obviously part of the reason that I have my social mobility charity is because there's a massive like wealth divide. It's university is so much more accessible to those from middle-class backgrounds. And if you're from a middle-class background, you're more likely to have parents from LinkedIn. I am from a painfully middle-class background. You know, we shop yeah. at M&S, we go on three foreign holidays a year. Um, You know, I I was very, very fortunate growing up, had a nice big house, nice big garden, but left wing parents, local state school and and so on. Yeah. Um, So I, uh, yeah, I I love them. I go back to my parents almost every weekend, like usually leave the office at six on a Friday, drive to mum and dad's and stay there till Sunday. I'm going to Mauritius with them. I went to St. Lucia with them last year, spent loads of time with, with mum and dad. 
moved back there and you know it just I realized there was a little bit more to life I think than than work I kind of felt like I've been in this little bit of this like you know really high pressure kind of commercial bubble you know yeah. I was living in my flat in town working blah 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 moved back there I spent nine months there so I moved back on March 23rd actually coincident the previous week it was actually the week before the lockdown we didn't know what was going to happen but I just moved back for a week anyway I ended yeah. up staying till um till New Year's Day I moved back to my flat on New Year's Day um oh. And yeah, began to, yeah, realized it wasn't quite what I wanted to do long term, wasn't, you know, really aligned with, with the kind of life I wanted to leave myself, or, you know, not to sound ostentatious, but the kind of legacy I wanted longer term. Um, mm. This was, this was, of course, compounded my dad telling me it would hollow every kind of two or three hours. Um, <laughs> so there was, there was also that. Um, so yeah, I quit. Yeah. And, and how do you, um, so, so tell me what early careers does and what the foundation does and will do so you've got two very distinct strands to your um mm -hmm. organization cool sure so early careers company started at the start of last year um yeah. it was just me and hire number one zoe so zoe's actually someone i worked with um back at wiser ages ago so she was an industrial yeah. placement student in my team and we remained really close friends ever since um she came and joined on um she came and joined on day one so it was just mm -hmm. me and her sitting there. So I was there, she was yeah. there um, yeah. for the first few months. The company basically does two things. Um, so on, on one side of the business, um, it's like strategy consulting for early careers. So we call it the strategy development. So yeah. we help clients build or develop the infrastructure they have around emerging talent. Um, yeah. The work there is all focused on um, a few key areas. So diversity, retention, engagement, performance, and like future leader pipelines. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I won't go into too much depth, but we build graduate programs, we redesign yeah. assessment processes, we help companies rebuild the, the frameworks of the characteristics and capabilities they look for to drive diverse hiring and, and widen the net. We, yeah. we work on kind of employer value propositions and help them reframe who they are and how they talk about what they do. Yeah. So there's a lot around, you know, building the infrastructure to make um, building the infrastructure to allow them to create great careers and make early careers work. The yeah. other side of the business is talent delivery. So we, we call it that just to avoid the word recruitment. So my last company was a relatively like commission-driven recruitment yeah. business. Um, and I just didn't really want that. Um, so we we deliver hiring campaigns, mostly quite large scale. Um, so we'll help yeah. companies with, you know, we'll you know, de develop and run assessment centers for um early careers hiring across at the moment it's across about a third a third a third across the uk eu and us a very small okay, wow. works in apac we do some work across like tokyo seoul hong yeah. kong shanghai singapore and so on yeah um so the key things to note is again with the swearing on the podcast i'm glad i asked there's just no like recruitment bullshit there's no commission yeah. there's no sales culture there's no individual work there's no revenue targets kpis metrics it's yeah. all built around us having a project team so we might have um Team Plio, it's one of our one of our biggest clients from earlier this year. Team yeah. Plio is led by a project leader, it's a big like collaborative project team um, yeah. that will execute on the campaign. So that's the business has gone quite well. So we're up to thirty three people globally now. So we're nearly eighteen months in. We're eighteen months mm -hmm. in a couple of weeks. Um, and uh, yeah, so we uh, yeah we'll be eight people. We opened an office in Mumbai last October, so we'll be eight in Mumbai and twenty five in London. Actually, probably more by that point, 28 in London, something like that. And and before we get onto the foundation, actually, there's something that um, 
you'll think I spend my whole life stalking your LinkedIn, but um, you'd put a post together saying, I started the business, so it was like £865 in the bank. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, you were turning over over a million 18 months later. And what I loved about what you did was somebody tried to put you in your place in the comments. And I think... Yeah, I remember that. What a dick. <laughs> and but what I just <laughs> loved about it, because obviously you are much you know much younger than me so you're still in your 20s yeah 26 yeah yeah you're 26 right yeah right oh my god I'm 20 years older than you um and I was just thinking that here was someone going I'm going to put you in your place young man and you put something like well it's not really professional to talk about EBITDA on LinkedIn and and I was just like yes Yes, yes, yes. You just yeah, you yeah. The guy you... come and said like, you know, turnover is just talking about your turnover is just vanity. And I just thought yeah. I'm not going to talk about our profit on LinkedIn. Am I? It's just so inappropriate. Yeah. Oh, and I it's just... still quite a good measure of success. It, it. And I was, I thought the way you handled it, just like it. Mm. Oh, it was brilliant. You could, you could tell there were people going yes. Yeah, I got um, lots of likes and that's great. I yeah. think, you know, honestly, that that sums up kind of our attitude and approach. So not to quote mm-hmm. my wonderful mum again, but she came out with a phrase. So I bought myself a nice watch. So we hit a million pounds revenue last year. Mm-hmm. I um, I bought myself and actually the two members of our leadership team, like nice watches. Yeah. I sent a photo and the brother who just walked into my flat and made me a coffee. Um, he didn't come over just, just to do that. Uh, but my <laughs> brother who's come over and, and made me a coffee. Um, I posted a photo of the watch in the family chat. And he's like, what are you doing, Dan? You run a social mobility charity. Like, why would you spend that much money on a watch? And my mum, I went back and said, you know, the point there about talking about, we've generated like 1.5 million pounds in revenue this quarter. And we did a million in our first year from, from nothing. And I'm quite proud to talk about that because I don't yeah. believe that making the world a better place and being commercially successful and having nice things and driving fast cars, they're not, they're not mutually exclusive. You can make yeah. a lot of money and be a good person. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the narrative we have at the company. My mum's reply to my brother's comment about my watch was um, making the most of what the world has to offer doesn't mean you can't try and improve it which I really liked. My dad then said, fuck off, Barb. Dan is just trying to square off his greed with his conscience. Um, <laughs> take your pick as to, you can take your pick as to what's correct there. But that's kind of the idea. We want to build an amazing business where people can thrive, have fantastic careers, earn good money, get, you know, earn, earn, earn big bonuses when the company succeeds. We, we have free company Uber accounts, Deliveroo. I'm taking the entire team on a you know, seven-day, five-star retreat to Mexico. Um, wow. We have a company electric car people can book for free. We've got full private health insurance, mental yeah. health, global travel insurance. Like we, we don't believe, like you don't have to choose between improving things and enjoying them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're so, you're right. You're right. Um, tell me about the foundation. What is it? Why did so you, the found- well, I guess, yeah. Why did it come about? And what will it do for people? It came about after like lots of thinking of like what, you know, this sounds really grandiose, but the thoughts after I left Wise were not like, what do I want to do? It was almost like, what type of person do I want to be? Do mm. I now want to go and get a good job at a big company and make lots of money and drive a fast car? Or do I want to like do something I'm really proud of? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so the foundation, I, I was going to go into more depth about how it came about, but basically the foundation is an independent social mobility charity, so it is not a part of the company, legally speaking. We talk yeah. about them being part of the same group, but it is an independent charity. Um, it's got its own board of trustees. You'll know that charities aren't, like, owned. They're, they're you know, held in trust. Yeah, yeah. It's entirely funded by the business. So right. the foundation... Um, is yeah completely funded by the company we don't take any external donations we actually oh excuse me 
we do get offered them. We were offered a £25,000 grant from a company and turned it down. Mm. Um, it, the, the reason, I know that sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but it's kind of like our legacy. And mm. it feels a bit like, I don't know, I've got, I'm dating someone and they're coming over for dinner and I ask them to like bring the chicken. You know, it feels <laughs> a bit like that. Like I want it to be like what we're doing and the way we are giving back. Um, yeah. And also not taking or accepting grants gives us like, compl- all, it, it doesn't give us impartiality, but it gives us like, it makes it allows us to be honest. We can go yeah. to a corporate partner. We're partnered up with Salesforce and Google and British Airways and Bentley and Fidelity and yeah. God, Barclays and Henkel and De Beers and Spotify and all these companies. Yeah. We're partnered up with all these organizations. Um, and we don't ask for a penny from them, which A mm. means they do it because everyone says yes when it's free. But B, it also means that we're not in it for the money, where we're genuinely doing it like there's no there's no game for us in this. So it's an independent social mobility charity. It's got its own board of nine trustees. I'm one. My mum is another um, yeah. in her capacity as, as a psychologist and, and uh, education expert. Yeah. Rather than, you know, my mum. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the, the foundation does three things. So it's all around using careers to advance social mobility. Yeah. You know, my belief is that early careers is an unbelievable tool to advance sort of socioeconomic uh, equality, not inequality, not advance that, uh, to advance equality. And, and the reason is, is that, I, you know, I had a friend from school, um, actually wasn't a friend, a friend of a friend, um, and he, you know, had quite a challenging upbringing, grew up on mm. a local council estate, never really achieved his potential, but was always a really bright guy. Mm. Didn't go to a good, he went, went to university, but didn't go to a good uni, didn't study a good degree, didn't get a good grade. Ended up, I don't quite know how, but made it onto the J.P. Morgan grad scheme. And when I asked him about like, does that, does your background ever hold you back? He said, quote, mate, I work at J.P. Morgan and I have for three years, no one gives a shit what I did before. And I realised at that point, like, mm. that it's incredibly powerful. If you end up getting a great first job, it can right a lot of wrongs and it's it's a really big fork in the road you know that first job yeah yeah so we seek to advance social mobility by giving young people from low-income families the tools and experience exposure confidence aspiration and financial support they need to get a good first job it's all around that yeah yeah I, I think that the it's very true it's true what you say um and that was certainly my experience and if you can do that early like you say if you can get good first job makes a world of difference stops you being trapped in the cycle yeah exactly and so that's what it's all about we we have a big learning program so those corporate partners um, we're building um with the help of a company called knology we are building a um kind of the duolingo of careers it'll be like a really interactive Mm. like gamified learning app where Mm. you can study investment banking by jp morgan and then m&a by deutsche bank and so on and so forth um we're also running a big mentoring program and it's quite large scale like we hope to have 10,000 kids on the program uh using the app and 2,000 being mentored by the end of next year so yeah. the mentoring program and finally a grant fund wow and what do you think um has sort of held you in good stead throughout your experiences so far I mean you talked about that you know focusing I hate it I can't think of it working even harder when times are tough um mm. But what, what would you say has kind of been the things that you think have helped you to kind of get to where you are? Um, I think it's probably four. Um, yeah. I hope, I hope I don't think of any more. Like three. <laughs> um, first one is like a, yeah, pretty like resolute attitude. Mm. The shut the fuck up and get on with it has always yeah. just been my way of working you know yeah. I mean last few weeks I've been lucky enough to have a few little trips abroad and so on and and, and um, have a little bit more 
um, a little bit more time to myself as fantastic mm-hmm. people in my business have been stepping up and I've been able to able to just step back, uh, you know, for a couple of weekends. But, you know, for the last 18 months, I reckon I probably worked a 90 hour week on average. I'm, I've mm-hmm. been working 9am to 11pm Monday to Friday and about a 10 hour day on Sunday. Yeah, that's an 80, that's an 80 hour week, it turns out, not 90. Um, I then... Um, yeah, I, I've also always had brilliant people around me in my business. Mm-hmm. I've got Nick and Zoe, Lily, Richard, Livia, some, you know, they're, they're like the management team in the business and they're, they're amazing, talented people. And even though they work mm-hmm. for me, I learn from them a lot and um, yeah. get a lot of support from them. Um, same in my old business, you know, I have Omar, who I'm still very close to, and he still does a lot of work supporting um, me and us. Uh, he's also my best mate or one of my mm-hmm. best mates. Um, you know, he, I, I have people around that learn from me. I've also had people around that I can learn from. Yeah. Really lovely life outside of work. I'm not, I don't really believe in the concept of work-life balance. That implies they're two separate things and they need to trade off. I've always thought of like, and I work-life integration, you know, my work is part of my life. My, you know, a big part of my personality is my work and my career and, mm-hmm. and so on. And people around me have always understood that. Um, I've also got a really close family, as you probably guessed in the last 40 minutes or so. Um, so mm-hmm. whenever things have been tough, I can just hop in the car, drive home 45 minutes 45 minutes away and my dad's got a lovely meal for me on the table and a bottle of red wine um so you know there's always been a lot of a lot of kind of emotional support around work because it is stressful and it's isolating and difficult times I'm a a sole founder and run my own company and I've got great people around me like my mentor Kath who's always helped um yeah you still need a bit of family around from time to time Mm -hmm. and I recognize I'm very very lucky to have that compared to a lot of people yeah um I don't know if that's four or not I can't remember the rest that was four yes Yeah, I'm still sat at your uh, parents' dining table <laughs> with the chicken that I didn't have to bring. And a Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we're just, big foodies in my household. And my dad my dad typically just cooks for four. So any yeah. night, any day I've had a difficult day, I just get in the car, go home. Yeah, that's really lovely. You mentioned your mentor there. How did you find, uh, did you say Cass? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how did you uh, find she her? worked uh, she worked for a business called the chemistry group uh, which was two floors above us in that pokey first office oh. so i met her back in 2015 i think we might have met in a lift or something i don't really know she'll actually no i think she heard me talking loudly on the phone and got chatting um yeah. she's like a behavior and profiling expert so she ran this big kind of skills and competency profiling exercise with me and then has been a supporter ever since she's now the chair of the board of trustees of the charity she's an ned she's an equity holding non-exec director of the company She's yeah. in about a million group chats. I talk to her every day. She coaches about five of my team and yeah. some of my mates. <laughs> um, we do a load of work together, but she's um, she's amazing. And again, she's she's a good example. You know, someone who's kind of, you know, unconditionally supports me, whether I'm making bad decisions or good ones. Um, yeah. and, uh, and is also a bit of inspiration to herself. I posted about her too, you know, she never got married. So adopted two kids, one of which had, um, had quite serious uh... kind of, um, learning difficulties and has built a multi-million pound business and bought a fantastic house and built a family um, yeah. on her own oh. and still sometime somehow finds time to deal with me for 45 minutes a day <laughs> yeah that's um that's fantastic I think there's just so much I I could well listen to you for a very long time and and I'm just kind of inspired like that energy that you've got I'm like maybe it's uh, I wish I was 26 again but I love how you just, I don't that's know. That's probably, that's probably the idea. That and the two coffees. Yeah, <laughs> two coffees. I'm, I might go for my third. Um, okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited. I guess there's part of me, there's so much I sort of take from this, which is about that sort of 
accepting yourself and trusting yourself and playing to your strengths and knowing where to go for support. Um, I guess I'll finish with, because I'm respectful of your time. Um, what's next? What's next for you? What's next that you can talk about? Christ. Uh, there you go, finish on an easy question. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. this, this, I, I, I have no ambition to do anything else now. You know, I don't know. I've maybe seen myself in politics. I honestly have no idea. Um, I absolutely love what I'm doing now. Um, I don't know. I love what I'm doing now so much. I love the people I'm doing it with. I think my my motivations have changed a bit. Um, I've kind of got to the point, not like I've made it, bullshit, I'm still managing a really small business, but I say, you know, pretty small business. Um, but yeah. I think... Um, What's next for me is trying to create the best platform I possibly can. I don't mean like technology, but the best platform I can to accelerate others' careers. You know, yeah. if you think about everything in my world, the reason I'm in careers is because I'm a socialist and I'm a pretty passionate capitalist. And I know the two don't really go hand in hand, but I'm like, I'm left wing, but I like nice things. And I've yeah. realized that if you like business and the commercial world and wealth creation and so on, and you also care about making the world a better place, then careers is where those two areas meet, right? It's where the business world meets real people and, and can change real lives. Yeah. So I've got no real ambitions to move out of this space at all. Um, I really like it. I find it really interesting. I obviously mm -hmm. can't talk about company strategy in, in too much depth, but we're going to continue growing um, both here and abroad. We're going to be launching new service lines and new products, um, yeah. potentially new partnerships. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to say exactly, but I would like, you know, I've got some amazing people around me. I'd like to build them into, you know, incredibly talented global leaders. Well, they are yeah. talented, but very capable global leaders. And then, yeah. of course, build the charity. I'd like the charity to be, you know, an eight-figure income global social mobility charity. Wow. Just awesome. I'm glad that I managed to just capture a sliver of your day-to-day. -day. Uh, I hope I didn't talk too much after both the morning coffees. No, no. And I will put the links to how people can connect with your organisation in the show notes. Please do. Thanks, Dan. No worries. Cheers. Cheers.